It's time for building the game. Building the game. With Jason and friends. From tabletop game design. The fun forever It's at the end of the episode. That's when it technically ends. Hello and welcome to Building the Game, a documentary podcast. Today is Monday, July 19th. And you're listening to episode 477. As always, I am your host, Jason. Today, joined by T. Kyrus. Uh, games manager for Haba USA and uh, somebody who's been in the industry for a heck of a long time. How you doing, T? Good. I'm doing good. It's almost Friday. It is. It is very <laughs> close. It is like Friday Eve. It's a little less Friday Eve for you because it's like a little after six there and here it's already nine. So, yeah. Yep. Yep. But I'm still counting down. I'm still excited. <laughs> That's fair. That's very working with uh, working with, well, I guess, Haba USA. But I have to imagine you do have some contact all over the world. So, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. Last week, last week, I had a three hour long call with Germany that started at my 5 a.m. Um, So, yeah, I clocked out at 1 p.m. that day. <laughs> yeah, that was the day where actually it said, hey, do you want to record tonight? You're like, no, I no. don't. I'm going to be too tired by six. I'm not recording. That is. And fair. I did. I took a nap. I, I fell asleep at like two and woke up at like seven. So that's legit. That is nothing wrong with that. So. You know, I, I was thinking back as we were going to record this. So I, I know I've seen you at conventions over the years, you know, because we, we have a lot of the same friends and circles and such. But I actually was thinking back. I remember the first time that I met you, and I bet you don't remember this. It was, gosh, probably eight and a half, nine years ago. It was at an unpub. Uh, you were still like doing videos and such. So you mm-hmm. were shooting videos. And you play tested my game, Gunsling and Ramblers, um, which is like a cowboy game where you're like a shootout game. Um, and the reason I remember it, uh, the reason I remember it is one, because you you videoed a small portion of the game, but two, because in that game you had to take shots. Um, not really, but like the characters did. And every time that would happen, you would go shots, 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 shots. <laughs> that is something I would do. <laughs> And it just it just popped into my head. I completely had forgotten about that. But I, before I recorded, I'm like, oh, when when did I see this person? Like, and I and just that popped into my head, and I was like, oh my gosh, I have That's to so tell funny. them that story when they come on. That is so funny. I actually I do remember you because your Twitter icon was very yeah, and I definitely have interacted with you over the years on Twitter. Yeah, but I yes, I had sure. forgotten that playtest. But yeah. yeah, no, when you mentioned the shots thing, I was like, oh, I did <laughs> oh, yeah. think, didn't I? Yep. Oh, nope. that was yes, that was that was many many moons ago. Uh, that was my first unpub ever. Um, so yeah, no second unpub, second unpub, but still, yeah, a, a long long time ago. <laughs> yeah, oh, I miss unpubs. Unpubs were like one of my favorite, and I tried going to an unpub now that I'm technically a publisher, and I just couldn't do it. I was, I yeah. was just like, I can't. The pressure is different, and people want things of me that like I can't mm-hmm. give. Right. And so right, it was like, right. I want to go back to when I can just play test a game to just play test a game and say shots, yeah. shots, shots, you know, <laughs> like in the middle of the game. I can't do that right now. <laughs> but I remember you because you were like, there were two, there are two play tests I remember from that game, from that unpub. One was yours because you were so enthusiastic about it and like everyone else was having a great time. And the other, because in that game, like you tend to like, there was a lot of take that in the game and the game never went anywhere. It wasn't, it wasn't a great game. Um, and I eventually started working on other stuff, but, um, but there was a, uh, there was an interaction between two friends in that game. And the friend was like, I'm going to shoot your character 
and the friend's like, but I'm not even in the lead. Like, why? Why me? And his friend looked him dead in the face and said, because f*** you, that's why. Nice. Um, and I was Wait. like, you game. I was I, I was told no no f boss. <laughs> I'll I'll bleep it out. It was too good of a story not to tell. It was too good okay, of a story okay. not to tell. Um, yeah, no, that was the same thing. And I was like, this guy gets this game. Like you and that guy got that game more than anyone. Nice. Um, but anyways, so yeah, but it's 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 great to have you on the show. We um this meeting came about because you had posted on Twitter. Um, I, I'm, can I just read your tweet? Cause your tweet yeah, made no. me laugh. You Go said, uh, uh, I was reading a thread in a Facebook board game group the other day when it was painfully obvious that people don't know where their games come from, nor do they know one, how they are made two anything about how manufacturing materials are sourced and three, what materials are used in games. And so I, I read that and I thought that is true. And I said, hey, you want to come on the podcast and talk about it? And you graciously said yes, which I very much appreciated. So here we find ourselves. Here we uh, are. I, I, so I'm curious. First of all, I'm just curious. What Do you recall what the types of things people were saying that had you just being like, what? Yeah. So the bigger... So I it, it definitely was a subtweet. I get called out for subtweets a lot and I'm fine with it. But um, the context of the tweet is there's a Facebook group and... There is a creator who's um, Jana. I always mispronounce her name, um, but she has a channel One Pip Wonder, which is um, mm-hmm. a very interesting and different take on board gaming from um, her perspective, which is a different perspective than you see for a lot of hobbyists. One because she's a young mother; she's got two kids. She like did game schooling and stuff. So when she looks at a game that's a family game, she's looking at like how what skills do my kids learn like can yeah, i stand yep. this game that's why i interact with her a lot because of haba <laughs> yeah. right um oh yeah her... yeah i own a ton of haba <laughs> games that i play with my kids that is a true story for sure. yeah so um but her and her husband um their her channel kind of got big because she's like spirit island and i actually found her mm-hmm. channel because i was debating getting spirit island in the middle of the pandemic because um little known fact i hate co-op games i'm huh, not a good team enough. player <laughs> um and but my partner steve loves co-op games and so i was like i've heard a lot of things about this game do i think i would enjoy it and so i watched uh her videos but anyway if you have any interest in spirit island go check out one pup wonder or if you're a family gaming lifestyle yeah but she started a new series called across the board where she's looking at the environmentalism uh of board mm, gaming mm-hmm. The sustainability, the impact, etc. And she started because it's something that she's really passionate about just in her daily life. They, She does like vlog series and she like her and her partner, they got solar on their house and they have an electric car and they've like moved nice. to zero waste kitchens, like all of this kind of stuff. And so she was like, I want my hobby to be better too. So she's doing a whole series about right, right. it. And um, she brought up like the pilot trailer episode and a whole bunch of she posted it on facebook in this community group to just be like hey this is a conversation i want to have and like 50 percent of the comments were great super supportive or like yeah i haven't thought about that or yeah i have thought about that and i want to make it better and then like the other 50 percent of the comments were just entirely dismissive insulting just not great and that's so a decent she, ratio on the internet, though, right? 50% good? Like, wow. I mean, for the board game community, that's pretty, <laughs> yeah. yeah, for a mo- mon- uh, moderated, uh, yeah. Usually it's so, the low 30s. <laughs> yeah. So she ended up making um, 
she had me come on as a guest um, because she knows uh, Hava's environmentalism stuff. Mm-hmm. We actually put out a report and she read the report and she was like, oh my God, you actually do these things. <laughs> so so cool. um, I, we came, I came out as a guest and then a sustainability expert whose day job is actually working with major corporations like Coca-Cola um, oh, okay. yeah. about sustainability stuff. He doesn't work with board gaming companies. Um, he works with like bigger companies. <laughs> To mm-hmm. come on and talk about sustainability and, and specifically address some of the comments that were brought up. And so she she did this video. It's a great video. It's an hour long. But if you're very interested in environmentalism um, and just like the impact of board games, definitely go check that out. Um, Absolutely. And uh, she posted it again on the thread. And it's very clear that people didn't watch the video. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, that's typical. Did you even watch the video? Yeah. No. And, and I have so opinions. Some of the comments and the opinions were just like, very ignorant and just like to the point where it's like no you're just being willfully ignorant at this point mm-hmm. um so yeah that's the context history uh and at this point i've forgotten your original question <laughs> i was curious uh, like what were some of the like what the were comments. some of the willfully ignorant things people were saying I- i'm just super curious about that because I-, I think to an extent like i was saying to you before the show like i feel like i know a good deal about this sort of thing not the environmental side but like the manufacturing side um, yeah. And some stuff about sourcing. And I said, I still bet I don't know hardly anything compared to what you do. And so I- I'm I'm curious how many of these ignorant things I'm like, oh, crap, that that's I, <laughs> I should well, know so that. Too. Some of them want the biggest one was the one that was like repeated quite frequently was all board games are made in China and China has bad practices. So it's never going to stop unless you stop making stuff in China, which is wrong on several ways. Um, oh yeah 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 right and you know that at least i did actually Um, know that (laughs) i know that a lot of them are made in china (laughs) yes um the other comment that was made was that like china doesn't have good practices from a sustainability standpoint an environmental standpoint a employee health standpoint and thus like what's the point as long as games are made in china which again not true um the other thing is they talked about like how people don't want their games to be biodegradable uh, and disintegrate into nothingness, um, which is intriguing to me, um, because just because something's biodegradable doesn't mean it will fall apart while you play with it. Um, I did think that too. Like, it's not like it's going to compost while you're playing the yeah. game, dummy. What are you saying? Like, whenever that happens, I just want to point out: Do you know that your body is biodegradable? <laughs> I hate when I when I try and play my board games in a swamp and they biodegrade while I'm playing them. Like, what? Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah, so that's kind of like the bigger ones. And then some other people are saying board games are already 90% recyclable, so it's fine. And it's like, actually, they're not. So, yeah. Well, in, <laughs> in, we use a lot. Of, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but we use a lot of plastic and a lot of things. And obviously, microplastics, right, are, you know, I don't know a lot about that, but I know they're bad. And I know they're everywhere, like in us, around us, you yeah. know, and that's. That's terrifying, frankly, like of all the things that's probably negatively impacting. We don't even know yet. So, yes, you know, if you want to get things really we know depressed, are pretty scary, right? If, yeah. If you want to get really depressed, start looking at microplastics uh, in the water uh, systems mm-hmm. and the impacts. Yeah. And then I guarantee you'll look up a microplastic uh, filter for your house. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So those are kind of the bigger ones. Um, but a lot of the conversation and then. This is another thread that I was reading. Some other people were complaining about the um, shipping and manufacturing issues right now for board gaming. And 
uh, L. Whitcomb. Um, Oh yeah, I know who else. Did yep. a fantastic thread. Yeah, they're great. Um, they did a fantastic thread on Twitter talking about kind of like just how mean people are being right now in regards to pushing back against publishers that aren't able to deliver products. Um, right, right, right. And so it's one of those things where it's like, do y'all know why there's a lumber shortage and a paper shortage and a container shortage? Like, it's not right. just COVID. Like, COVID's part yeah. of it. But like a lumber shortage in the U.S. so that you can't go to Home Depot to get wood to like do your home project also translate to paper shortages so that nobody can print your game. Right. 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 So it's one of those things where it's like people um, people have become extremely comfortable with consumerism, Mm -hmm. um, which is like something that our generation is really great at. Like if we just want a thing, we just buy it and it's, I don't even have to leave my house to get it. Right. And so you often, you often forget about what goes into it Mm -hmm. to make it exist. And so there's a lot of problems right now in the various parts of the state of the chain to make a product exist. And it's causing problems in the final delivery part. And people are getting very like unreasonably upset about that right, and it's like right. this, is, this is a bigger problem than like so and so doesn't want to sell you a game my friends <laughs> like right yeah and that's that is i mean like i know this is kind of a sidetrack here but like if you want to understand the gaming community and how incredibly selfish so many people are a lot of people are, are great right there's a lot of there's a lot of you and me's out there right awesome people but <laughs> um, l though they are great too yes yeah, yeah, uh, yeah but um but but like there's also a lot of just awful people and in the way to see that is go to kickstarter and read the comments um and you will never in your life see more entitled people than on kickstarter right just for no reason like i gave you 20 dollars uh on a platform that frankly is a platform that says I could give you a thousand dollars for a for a really fancy board game, and you could literally never deliver it, and you'd be within the bounds of the law because yep. literally that's the rules of Kickstarter. But I gave you twenty bucks for this game, and I'm losing my mind because I don't have it yet, even though it's completely outside of your control. And they just they do they remove the human element out of that, right? And forget yeah. that like I'm dealing with people, and that their job is hard. Because they, it's not like you can be like, you know, hey, customer manager at this game company, like, I, I don't want to have my game and that's your fault. Yep. It's, it could, it's it's just as much their fault that it is as the person asking's fault. Like, they have not done anything to make that happen, right? Um, so it's just, oh, I, I get so ticked off at people just not being considerate, right? It, it's It's understandable to be frustrated. You don't get your board games on time. Be pissed about that. That's fine. But don't be pissed at like the people like who are doing it. It's not their fault. Like be pissed yeah. at the situation. That's okay to be let down and upset. Like Yeah. And but, and right now especially, like the problem is way bigger than any one company. Oh, um, of course, yeah. Yeah. So we we as a company, Haba's big. Haba uh Haba Germany has uh I counted once. We have five worldwide branches. Um, so oh, we have wow. Haba USA, Haba UK, Haba Asia. I had no idea. Um, we have a partner in Australia, New Zealand. But um, oh, we also have Haba Spain and Haba France. Well, I actually, 
until I looked at your actual title, which I'd actually looked at before on Twitter. I just read Games Manager at Haba. I just noticed the USA tonight and was like, oh, especially because last time you were like, I have to be on a 5 a.m. call. And I was like, because you're working with everyone in Germany. But no. So, yeah. no, I don't work with everyone in Germany. I just work with a small a small part. But um, yeah, so Haba is huge. And when and we have been struggling um, and we've been hiding a lot of that struggling because we've been so big that we have a lot of control over a lot of our process um, mm-hmm. internally. Like we actually manufacture a lot of our wooden pieces in-house in Badrolduk. Um, oh, that's cool. I didn't know that. Oh yeah, no, it's out. It's super cool. But um, I, I need to make a video at one point, but um, so we have a lot of control over that, but there's certain parts of our products that we don't have control over um, that we are purchasing um, from wherever. And, we previously had enough backstock to like make the shortages be fine. But even now Mm -hmm. we're starting to run into problems where we're like, no, we're just going to have to delay like three of our releases because we just can't make them in time because of all the issues. So yeah, but um, I'm, yeah, there's so much that goes into making a board game that people don't even realize. Right. I mean, like on some level, people are like, oh, yeah, you know, you just get cards. Well, it's like, well, where do you get the cards from and, and mm-hmm. what machine cuts the cards and who has the machine? Right, so, right. Yeah. And that's I mean, you want to make a game that's cards only. You have a lot more options than you do if you want to make them I mean, like, again, I can totally now that you say it, see why Haba manufactures all those wood bits in house, because like otherwise what are you going to do like constantly you're needing new shapes and stuff obviously y'all have a lot of extra backstock you weren't lying because like you did that haba contest for like three years that i always recommend people sign up for it's the the best priced game bits you'll ever get that are so amazing (laughs) i've done it like every year i've never actually finished my game and submitted it but i have some awesome bits to show for it and my kids love them because they're so great now that it, I wonder if we still have bits available and I just didn't pull them down. Uh, I'm just going to like loudly type. Um, it's actually quieter than a lot of people typing. Whenever Nicole Amato's on the show, she's like thunder keys the way she types. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> it like shakes everything. Let me see. Oh, yeah. We totally still have some. I will not nice. pull this down. But if you have $6 and would like a pound of board game bits, wooden board game bits. Go to hobbyusa.com slash oh, or search for game design for this year. Okay. bits kits. Yeah. I'm going to um, have to do that again. We pre-made them and we pre-made a lot uh, and we didn't sell out. So we'll sell them until we are out basically. Oh, that's amazing. Cause they are It's like, it's such a good deal for really cool bits. And like, like I said, my kids, my kids like to game design cause their dad does. Right. And so, um, and we have such a fun time doing it. And like, I just, I love the, the interesting things you can think of because of the the weird bits you get from Haba. Um, one year it was the best at Gen Con. Y'all actually had a booth. You may have been working the booth and I just didn't see you that day, but where you could actually go and buy, um, like you could handpick the bits. And I was so I was like, Oh, this it's on. Like, this is amazing. <laughs> yeah. We, I actually wasn't working for Haba at that point, but um, ah, okay. I remember that year because I went and dug through the bits kit, <laughs> the box. Nice. To make it was own, so cool. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, if you want one, you can go get one. (laughs) 
I'm going to, I'm going to do that. Yeah. Listeners, uh, hurry up and get out there and check that out. Cause yeah, a, a ton of our listeners, uh, have been into that over the years. Uh, and we've always, we would do like, we'd get the bits and then do like a design challenge on the show with them where we try and design a game on the spot with the bits and then put up pictures of the bits and stuff. So yeah. Um, so, uh, all right. So let's, let's actually talk about like, so w- what we've learned so far is Haba makes uh, wooden pieces in-house, which I think is amazing. And that also y'all have good sustainable practices, which I didn't actually know that. The only company I've actually heard talk about that, and the only reason I've heard them talk about it is because it's actually like on the boxes and maybe it's on Haba and I've missed it. But Peaceable Kingdom, I know, does a good mm-hmm. job with that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got a few of their games as well, but you probably would not like anything they made because everything is co-op. Uh <laughs> Literally, you, you would be correct. Yes, yes. <laughs> <Every> <laughs> I, have, I have looked and bought Peaceable Kingdom because they're a competitor, technically. So, <laughs> right, right, <laughs> yes. right, right. Um, it's again, they're the type of games that are really great for kids, just like Haba games. Uh, but they are definitely, uh, they are definitely all co op, hence Peaceable Kingdom. So, um, oh my and god, that I is... just got that from the name. You just, you just <laughs> that for me. <laughs> I had the same moment where I was like. Oh, all these games are co- oh, <laughs> so yeah, I get it. <laughs> um, all right, so you know, I'm curious, like the the standard process for um, like tell me about the standard process for for um, let's talk about start let's start with sourcing bits because I'm really interested in that. Um, obviously you make some of your own, but how does mm-hmm. that particularly happen? Well, so I'm gonna. I'm going to set the stage because it's easier to to walk it through with an example. So we're going to say that. Yeah. yeah, So we're going to say that like um, uh, we're going to say that we've signed a game uh, from you all Mm -hmm. and we we're doing in-house development on it. uh, And we uh, when we sign a game, we sign it. We as in Haba. I'm just going to go through Mm -hmm. the Haba process. Yeah, Um, great. We have a. ballpark idea of what we feel that game will do well as um for a price mm-hmm. point and yep. so one of the things that we do to help with sustainability is this is, this is a whole nother conversation not going to go into it but we have standard box sizes and so every mm-hmm. box is um standard size we'll occasionally do one-off special boxes but mostly for reasons standard box sizes and so we'll see yeah. what size box the game will fit in and then if we feel like that price point makes sense for the game um and then that price point basically will establish for us um how much we have to wiggle in regards to materials Mm -hmm. um so let's just let's say that it's um a card it's a game that has some cards it has some wooden stuff and it has a little bit of plastic stuff and maybe it has some sort of board right Mm-hmm. Um, and so we'll say, okay, we want to, we have to get the, it's going to go in this size box and this size box we sell wholesale for $10, we'll say. And mm-hmm. so wholesale cost is $10. So that means our cost, um, to sell it, like, including like get it manufactured, get it shipped, get everybody paid. And then also like get it to different warehouses. We're going to say that we need to get that around $5, $5.50, somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. Um, very rough math, right? So then we look into it and we go, okay, well, so how much does, we're 
we're just going to ignore the shipping container conversation right now. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> so we're going to say, okay, we're going to estimate that our landed cost, um, product cost, we're going to print 10,000 units because we're Haba. Um, and our first run, print run, 10,000 units. And um, so we need the cost of the game from like a bits, just the like components and the bo- price of the box and the physical cost mm-hmm. of the product. We need it to be three dollars so then we start looking at like okay well what materials are in this box there's cards there's the box itself box is like 25 cents whatever right right. um we the wrap on the box we're not doing anything special so the box is like the box with wrap is like 35 40 cents right um then we talk about okay cards wooden bits board a little bit of plastic so we actually already have, because we do this, um, we have set quotes and estimates for like all of those things. So we know, okay, well, we need a sheet's worth of cards. So like 54 cards, right? Mm-hmm. Or yeah. And so we know, okay, well, we can do a sheet's worth of cards for 80 cents uh, because we want the high quality, durable, kid proof, da 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 da. Right. Yes. And then yes, we're so like, good. okay, well, we need plastic gemstones for whatever reason. So plastic gemstones, we have a gemstone guy. And yes, the of gemstones come from China, but we know the gemstone guy. So we'll do this. And then wooden bits, we're like, okay, is there any wooden bit already in our extensive tool catalog that we can just use? So Haba has, um, because we make a lot of wooden bits, we have a ton of um, rods, um, meeple rods um just made so if you need a dog you can just be like hey make me a dog um i'm showing you a wooden dog that i have on my desk uh oh yeah and then i realized this is a podcast but (laughs) (laughs) they have a whole bunch of they have a samples lab and the samples lab has all of the possible um wooden shapes that they can route to make meeples essentially um Mm -hmm. so that game designers can just go downstairs and be like we need a dog. And the samples guy will be like, well, we have four dogs. Would you like the dog sitting, standing? What size? Nice, um, nice. Yeah. So if you have to make a custom wooden meeple, like if we're like, no, we need a very specific special dog that's in a specific pose, then we have mm-hmm. to price in. That's going to be more expensive because we have to actually machine and make those tools, make the router bits to make right. that dog that shape. Sense. Right. And then there's a whole conversation of all of our wooden pieces are stained. We do stain, not paint, and we do water soluble stain. So it's a little bit more expensive. But then there's a conversation of is this piece a solid color or are we doing some laser printing of like fancy character art? Right. Mm-hmm. And that's going to add to the price. Um, just machine time essentially is more what you're right, paying right. for in that regard because we, um, own the own machines but we still have to like pay for it because you have to pay the wage of the employee setting up the the thing and then you have to pay for like machine time and when you're talking about manufacturing with a different facility like if you weren't doing it in-house they're going to charge you that as well but they're just going to say right right this piece five of these pieces will cost you 20 cents Right. right yeah and they have calculated that in um they wouldn't actually say that they would say they would say right. okay 
5,000 of these pieces. Yes, exactly. <laughs> they would say 5,000 of these pieces cost whatever that ends up being. And then you would... Five of those pieces will probably cost you like 50 bucks, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so yeah. You buy more than it's Exactly, cheap. yeah. So, um, and that's kind of the thing when they're calculating the price is that our designer team and our sourcing team already has it broken down into like what it costs per unit based on the build cost. But... Mm-hmm print run is a massive part of that. So if we're printing 10,000 copies, it's actually going to be cheaper per unit of like a meeple than if we were making 5,000 copies. Yep. Yep. That Uh, makes sense. Yeah. So that kind of goes into the price as well. And so you'll actually see um, a situation with a lot of Kickstarter games where the base goal price that they set actually, Mm -hmm. if they've done their stuff smartly, (laughs) is the price based off their initial print run quote, but they should have a few other quotes for if they hit different stretch goal print run sizes. Mm-hmm. And those different quotes, the reason that stretch goals became a thing is because when you're printing more games, right. you can add more things to it because when you print more, your price per unit will go down. Not right. always a ton, but it will go down. Right. And so you can increase the base price of the product, which is how stretch goals originally like evolved into board gaming. Right. And right. now it's which kind of is, a standard thing. Which is why, you know, when you're talking about like Haba printing 10,000 copies, or if I go to the Game Crafter and I want one box and it's going to cost me eight bucks, right? Yes. Um, because I'm only ordering one of them and you're ordering 10,000 of them. Um, and you're actually, I'm sure too, that companies like Haba are getting better deals on the fact that you're not just ordering 10,000 once <laughs> you're ordering 10,000 yeah. of lots of boxes <laughs> for lots of games. Um, and they can, you know, yeah, that yeah. I'm sure there are volume discounts for all that jazz. <laughs> yeah. Well, in different companies that have, um, different relationships with manufacturers actually have like rates locked in. So mm, they basically yep. say we're going to produce and, and sometimes they even do exclusive contracts, not always, but sometimes they'll be like, we're going to use you to produce this game for the next two print runs. And we're estimating it's going to be this amount of product. And so the manufacturer will actually give a discount based off of that information. Yep. That makes total sense. Yeah. Yeah. Because so. it's good for them. I mean, they, you know, I mean, manufacturers are, are basically freelance companies, right? That are like looking for work all the time. So locking in a huge account like that is probably really helpful for their planning and budgeting and, you know. Yeah. And the planning's practices. the big part. Um, right. What a lot of people don't realize until they actually go and book the thing is the hardest part of booking a manufacturer is actually finding time. And what you're really paying for isn't necessarily the raw resources. You're paying for the time on the machines and the labor of the employees, right. the time and labor I, of the employees. Somebody explained to me recently that they said, if you're, if you are printing a thousand or less copies or even 2000 copies of something, you literally are paying nothing for the, for the bits. Yeah. Everything you're paying is for the machines and the employees. Like boxes, right? Boxes are handmade, right? I mean, like, so that is, it's not about the teeny tiny cardboard, right? I know that um, probably not every box is handmade, but I know that a lot of them are, you know, pieces of the box, whether it's the wrap or whatever, are done by hand in a lot of instances. There's stories about boxes. So there's a whole thing about boxes. Uh, And and I mentioned it in the Jonah thing, but um, there's a very fancy machine that was patented um, Mm -hmm. and its entire purpose was to make boxes. Uh, and the machine existed only in China. Uh, and mm-hmm. so to make boxes of the high quality and whatever, you basically had to book this one specific factory. Well, um, that became very difficult to do. 
and so there was like a box shortage for a while. Um, and then a certain person uh, started a trade war with China uh, and basically made it where we couldn't import the machines to make the boxes here in the US <laughs> mm, and or mm. build the machines because it was under a patent. Anyway. Anyway, boxes. Yeah. Um, I know what dumb dumb you're talking about with that for sure. So yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yep. This podcast has a history of thinking that guy is an a-hole, so no worries there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you've been wondering what the lumber shortage is, part of it is is um, certain somebody wanted to charge um, a higher tax on Canadian imported lumber, and Canada said, okay, you can do that. We're just not going to sell it to you. Uh, <laughs> and so that's why part of the reason why there's a lumber shortage. Uh, You're going to be mad at Canada, man. How can you charge Canada more? Like, it's Canada. Come on. Things are more expensive there. I see it on the prices of boxes where it says, you know, this much Canadian, right? Yeah. Plus, they got plenty of wood up there. Like, if you're going to get wood from someone, like, that seems like the place to go, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Uh, Or Germany. Germany's got a lot of, but that's across an ocean. Um, Oh, yeah. That's true. Yes. So Which yeah, right so, now is a problem. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Well, so um, that is kind of the manufacturing and sourcing bit is basically, you know what products you need and you know how many games you're going to make. And so you can figure out the quality of components based on how many units you're expecting to print and then like mm-hmm. how much wiggle room you have. So great example of this. Um, uh, we're just going to talk about screen printing meeples. So there's a few ways to um put paint on meeples so you can do the spray paint method which hobbit doesn't do because of child testing laws and all this other stuff but you can basically do it's not spray but it's like a tumble thing with paint and it's very quick and there's a lot of paint and the paint um the pieces can get damaged when you tumble them this way um and then the uh paint can kind of clump in crevices and whatnot um and so yeah, that's not great. And then it's also paint. So it does weird sticking things. Um, the mm-hmm. meeples, you've yep. probably gotten games where the meeples are. Absolutely. Damage. Yes. Now I know why. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of that. The other method to put color on, on meeples is the, what hobby does, Haba does because we do them all the same as all of our baby toys. So they're all, um, child safe, which, um, don't put a lot of the, if the meeples stick together, I just recommend not putting them in your mouth, um, to pull them apart. But anyway, um, so the other way that Hobbit does it is they do a water soluble stain and they're specific drums that are very similar to the paint drums, but the chemical is different. So the paint um, isn't technically paint, it's a stain and it takes way longer. So the paint drums, you can put the meeples in, you tumble them around for like six hours and then you're like, hey, these are done. With the stain ones, it's like 24 hours. Um, and oh, then wow. they have to get sorted out. Um, and... Then they get um, a second stain that's a sealing stain, which a lot of the painted meeples don't do because paint is pretty good at sealing itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if you want to put a fancy design on it, um, that's a lot of time to put the fancy does, design on. Does that get screen printed over those other two layers or in between yes. or over? Usually, uh, it depends. Usually okay. it's um, over the two layers. So there's laser printing, which is pretty cool. Um, but the problem is, is a human has to put the meeples into a tray 
that's like formed to hold the meeples. And then the, the machine loads the thing in and prints them like your normal like printer. But the human mm-hmm. has to like load them in one by one and make sure that they're facing the right way, which is actually right. this is another me showing you something on camera that nobody can see. This is how I have a double headed unicorn. That's um, amazing. So I went to the Haba factory and got a tour and they loaded this meeple on the wrong way. And then so it printed it twice. Yeah. Well, no, it printed it once. And then for some reason it did, they just didn't load it off and it, they like rotated it. I don't know why it got double printed, but it's double printed <laughs> unicorn. Um, and neither great, yes. of the unicorns are actually like directionally printed correctly. So I don't know what happened. But <laughs> <laughs> it's it's my special. Everything is wrong. <laughs> yeah. So this is like the most unique meeple uh, Hava's probably ever made. Uh, maybe not. Nice. But nice. that's an example of like it takes a human time to do yep. that. And then the printer yep. has to run. And the printer, because it's like a, it's not very fast because they want the ink to really stick in. It kind of takes a while. So to print, mm-hmm. you know... I don't know, a hundred meeples takes 40 minutes right? and you want to print 5,000 meeples. <laughs> like, right, right, right. You want uh, a lot of double-headed unicorns in that box. And so. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's going to increase your time a lot. That's going to increase your, t- that's going to increase your price a ton, right? Yeah, Cause that's yeah. a way more time than just like putting a bunch of meeples in a drum and spending them around. <laughs> <laughs> So that's a great example of like when you're talking about like quality of material and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. If we want to start talking about like sourcing materials in regards to like the raw resource. That's oh, like a wow. whole yeah. other so like, So beyond like you have like a gem guy, like there's yeah. even like you. Yeah. So because you I guess you're sourcing the wood, right? Because I mean, if you're printing and cutting your own wood. Like, well, not printing, but you know what I mean? Yeah. If you're, if you're doing all the wood bits yourself at the factory, then you have to source all that and probably all sorts of other things too, I would assume. Yeah. So Haba actually sources wood, um, from FSC, um, so forests that are sustainably sourced, um, forests that are all, are, that are all within 150 kilometers of the warehouse, um, the manufacturing facility and we actually cure the wood ourselves on site um haba started 82 years ago as a wooden toy manufacturing company and they did it like right and they just have never stopped doing it right nice, that's kind of been nice. their mo the entire that says time. a lot for yeah. why it's still going well yes yeah so um haba has always cared about like doing quality wood product and they never they they haven't wanted to sacrifice that part of the business just to make a profit if that makes sense um, right yeah so so it's it's a unique situation in that regard in that there's a dude who like services the wood but we haba has been in this business so long they're cutting down trees that they planted wow because that's when you amazing. when you buy this wood part of what you're doing is you're paying for them to replant the forests and at right, this point, right. Haba has bought so much of these stuff. There's forests in Germany that Haba has planted, and now Haba is buying the wood from those forests again. That's really cool. So yeah. that's Haba's a unique situation when we come when we talk <laughs> about sourcing the wood. Um, but not everything is made by Haba in Germany. They actually mm-hmm. do outsource um, games, and sometimes that actually means outsourcing the wooden products. Um, so a great example of this is Rhino Hero. So oh, when yeah, Rhino okay, yeah. Hero, yeah, when Rhino Hero like took off, 
um, they weren't in a position to manufacture it in-house in Germany. They were like, oh, the Americans really like this. Uh." So (laughs) they looked for different sources. And so they actually looked to a company in China to do the printing for them. And they were like, we have very high standards and you need to be able to meet those standards for us to want to work with you. And the company was like, yeah, okay. So they worked with the manufacturing facility to find a sustainable FSC forest that they could get wood for while being manufactured in China, which didn't involve like shipping the wood across an ocean. Um, So there are manufacturers that are in China that will totally work with you to figure Mm -hmm. out sourcing Mm -hmm that makes sense for you in whatever way that you want. But that is something that like, it takes a conversation. Like there's, there's one person whose entire job is making sure the wood that Haba uses in any of its products is the caliber that they want. So Haba's unique in that situation, but that's kind of, it's cause it's like their brand. (laughs) It's like their thing. Yeah. 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 So that's why, but a lot of manufacturers with board gaming, um, if you have the time as a publisher or a creator to sit and have those conversations, um, you can make it work if sustainability is, is what you're after. Um, but a lot of times people don't have the time because a lot of people, if you're a smaller publisher, especially you're running on a thin budget and and you need things in a certain timeline because you're basically floating your company on, whatever personal loans business loans Mm -hmm. um kickstarters you can't just be like we're gonna take an extra year and a half to make sure right right every piece of like product in this is sustainable so Mm -hmm. yeah but it's one of those things um there's a company i forget their name but they they did a whole thing they're making a game about sustainability and they were like everything has to be sustainable with it and um, they're struggling to find a manufacturer right now because they just don't have the time. They got quotes from people, but then all those quotes evaporated because um, they just weren't able to get on the calendar, mm-hmm. um, which is a thing. And and now they're like, we can't wait a year for the next slot at the right, more sustainable right. factory or we'll be broke. Like, we'll go bankrupt. Right. So right. what do we do? Right. Yeah. What is, um, so what is Haba, you, you specifically talked about how Haba, obviously some games have plastic in them. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there anything you do specifically around plastics to try to, you know, with sustainability and such? I'm just curious. We try to do as minimal plastic as we can. And then we also try to use um, plastic that is a byproduct of a different industry. Oh, so here's a fun factoid. Um, there's a plastic that is very durable uh high quality um uh, certain facilities can recycle it but not a lot of them are in the u.s so uh, but it is actually produced from a byproduct um from making jet fuel i've i've heard of that before yeah 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 mm-hmm. yeah so um they make the jet fuel and then there's this byproduct that like you can't really do much with except for make this plastic um there's another uh, plastic that is made um, and this is actually a thing that I learned the other day because there's a shortage of it um, of course <laughs> there's, yeah there is a plastic that is made um, as a byproduct from making chlorine oh wow 
uh, and that plastic is predominantly used in shrink wrap. Oh. So there will be a shrink wrap shortage soon because there is a chlorine shortage because not a lot of people have been ordering chlorine. (laughs) That's weird when you think about it. I mean, like, everybody was stuck at home. Like, don't you want to put some chlorine in your pool? (laughs) But I know there are a lot of, obviously, there are a lot of commercial pools that have been closed for a long time. Exactly. And commercial cleaning. So that's the other thing is that so many businesses. So this is the thing that we've seen. This is very off tangent. (laughs) but We're good at that here. That's all right. There's a lot of businesses that, um, so remember the toilet paper problem. So yes, yes, the toilet paper problem was there was a lot of toilet paper that was produced um, and existed uh, for commercial usage. And a lot of mm-hmm. people stopped going to their jobs. And so the commercial toilet paper wasn't being used. And so right. the domestic toilet paper just burned through all of its backstocks because there is mm-hmm. usually a backstock. So what happened with the pandemic is all of those buildings, all of that maintenance stuff that existed, like cleaning products, um, didn't get used because nobody was cleaning these giant office buildings or or whatever, like stadiums. Can you even imagine how much cleaning product is used on like a daily basis at a stadium, like a football stadium or something? Yeah. And how much toilet paper, right? Let's be honest. Well, yeah, yeah. So, (laughs) So, so companies didn't need to manufacture they actually ended up having surpluses and had to like drop inventory because they couldn't store it for all of these products and that includes cleaning products including chlorine and so now there's a problem where these companies either went out of business or just like furloughed everybody um and they didn't make chlorine for a while and then people are burning through the back stock still but now it's going to take time for the the manufacturing facility to like wind back up and in that time there's a shortage um and so the byproducts of that that go into making shrink wrap apparently uh will also there will be a shortage of so all right weird weird side effects of the world you know Um, yeah it's funny we we always talk about these natural ecosystems like you know like you you can't lose this one animal because like it, it it affects all these other things but like 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 even our commercial ecosystems are more that way than people like talk about a crazy manufacturing ecosystem that like we can't get shrink wrap because because they didn't make enough chlorine like what or i'm sure with like yeah like even like jet fuel like when you think about how little people were traveling right and how many less i mean it's just crazy when you think about that sort of thing um yeah yeah it's no idea well it's one of those things where like People are very uh, ingenuitive and, and people love to take trash and turn it into something they can sell. And Absolutely. so there's a ton of industries that years and years and years ago would make these things and sell them. And then they had all this like toxic waste. <laughs> let's just go, let's talk, like there's jokes about like right. dumping toxic, whatever. Well, right. so it became too expensive to just dump it. So a lot of people figured out what can we make with this? <laughs> right, right. Right. Make it's not toxic or chemicals that are toxic that can use for other things. Right. Yeah. So it's one of those things that's like use the whole cliche stating, uh, you know, use the whole animal, whatever. It's like, yeah, right, no, right. we we do that when it comes to producing basically anything. Um, right. Yeah. So the problem is that that can obviously cause this domino effect when one thing stops getting made and now now you can't shrink wrap board games because people aren't putting enough chlorine in their pools you know like what what yeah 
<laughs> if you're interested in the chlorine shortage and shrink wrap problem, there's an NPR article um, about ah, it. But, love NPR. Yeah. Yes. Side tangent. <laughs> any um any other specific things around manufacturing you wanna you wanna highlight? Um. Well, so I would like to. There's that whole conversation about China, right? Right, right. Um, and it's one of those things where, like, China will produce whatever you tell them to produce. They're business people. Um, so if you say, "I want to produce this with this product," they'll do it. Might cost you more money and take more time, but like, right, right, they'll do it. Um, the other thing is that we talked about this: the location of manufacturing. Um, there is board game manufacturing all over the world. Uh, you mm-hmm. can produce board games in the U.S. It's very expensive, but you can do it. Very expensive. I've done it. It's very expensive. I had yeah. a place 45 minutes from my house, so I did it there, and it still would have been cheaper to produce it in China and have it shipped to me. I mean, not right now, but yeah. like, no, you know, no, normally, no, no. yes. But, um, yeah, and, and one of the funny things is the largest uh, – there's two, there's two manufacturers – two, three – uh, I would say the largest manufacturer of like paper products, including board and card games, is a puzzle mm-hmm. manufacturer. It's called Buffalo. I was going to say it's Buffalo, isn't it? Yep, and it's Buffalo, and they have a new game. It's Summer Camp, I think. But um, because oh, that's Buffalo, Buffalo? Also... I didn't realize they did that. Yeah, they're isn't doing Buffalo games. Buffalo Pressman. I don't. I that I do not know. I I don't delve that deep. I just I know that Buffalo does do games. Um, but that they're obviously really big on puzzles. I mean, even like you look at a company like Ravensburger and like mm-hmm. there's so many puzzles and stuff. That, or like Haba, you're like, oh yeah, Haba makes toys, right? Like yeah. they've been doing that for longer than they've been making board games, but a lot of gamers don't realize that because we, we're into the games. <laughs> so, yep, yep. Um, now I'm like super curious. Now you want to know. Now I'm like, who's Buffalo subsidiary? Is, is Buffalo own Buffalo? That would be... Not surprising. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Uh, Buffalo well, might actually li- own itself. Um, while you're looking that up, I, I so when it comes to China, one of the interesting things I had, um, I, I saw a few years ago, uh, there were a couple um, board game publishers and manufacturer, well, board game publishers who were actually touring China, like going to the factories. And making sure that the factories were doing a good job, not just with their products, but taking care of the people, mm-hmm. right? Paying them fairly and things like that. Um, and doing that, sure, they probably took a hit on some of the manufacturing, but still way cheaper to do it that way. Uh, and then you're actually, you know, taking care of the people as well, which obviously, you know, I mean, we've heard some horror stories about um factories and stuff that don't take care of their people um that some big names like apple and stuff have worked with and so it's it it makes you proud to see the board game industry actually doing like trying to take care of it and do it correctly at least some companies you know uh, oh yeah yeah and yeah and i mean panda does a great job of this panda's the one that everybody knows um but there's Mm -hmm. long pack there's a few others but yeah no they do they do a great job but there's also um so there's the other one is hasbro hasbro actually produces most of their games uh in the u.s so really where like monopoly is made in the u.s um uh life all of those um they're printed in the u.s and yeah and uh Catan, Catan. i don't know if they stopped um but Catan shifted all of their u.s um sales uh units to being manufactured in the u.s ludofact actually opened a u.s specific manufacturing facility just to make Catan. 
Um, I mean, I get it. <laughs> yeah. So um, there's that. Germany is huge. Ravensburger um, produces their own games in Germany. Hava does their own games in Germany. Um, Ludofact is a German-based printer that does mm-hmm. most of like Asmodee stuff. Right. Um yeah. Well, I've so, learned too that you can print uh, like bicycle prints cards in the U.S. Um, mm-hmm. And actually, if you're making just a card game and you're not looking for something fancy, they actually can do. Uh, I was talking Jason Tagmeyer was on the show talking about how they use bicycle for a lot of stuff because they just need cards and yeah, you know. So yeah, yeah. So it was yeah. it was interesting to hear that. You can actually get a lot of really good cards in the U.S. If you're if you're looking just for cards. Mm-hmm. U.S. is pretty good. A lot of the plastic manufacturing, um, unless it's 3D printed or specific type of stuff, is actually still China. So, like, um, I know plastic, certain plastic pieces are manufactured in China and then shipped. But it's really funny because those pieces are not actually made specifically for those board games. They're actually picked from a catalog um, and used. So the gemstones that are very, very popular in a yeah. lot of hobby oh, yeah, games yeah. Um, and mm-hmm. other games, they're actually aquarium gemstones are they they really yeah they were really they were originally manufactured for fish aquariums the little Uh, plastic ones right that are all mm -hmm. funky shaped yeah like quacks of quidlinburg has those in it and obviously lots of i just saw that recently lots of hobby games i have bunches of those yes yeah those are and if you ever want more just go online and look for aquarium gyms and you will find them and you can buy like a thousand uh there you go game designers Um, it's no that's a great tip because those there's something those feel really good in your hands right like the weird shape and the texture it just it's like i actually think that unless you like the type of person that like to play and stack your cubes and stuff it actually feels better than a cube yeah um i prefer the gems i don't know they're shiny the translucentness Um, is always cool too right so. Yeah, yeah, the prism effect. Um, so that's kind of the the one, and then like the Catan House is actually uh not or not the Catan House. Sorry, the Monopoly House. The Monopoly House was originally a Monopoly. At this point, is big enough. It's their own right, right. They do what thing. they want. Yeah, <laughs> but originally the house was just from a catalog, and then they modified it at one stage. But um, yeah. So that's you can so actually. Cool. This is why the original Eclipse had the same tiny ships as like every space game. Like, Imminent Domain had those ships. Twilight Imperium had those ships. Like, those ships are in everything. <laughs> and it's because right, they right. came from a catalog. That's funny. So, that's funny. Yeah. Oh, that's some um, interesting stuff there. Nowadays, people are doing Kickstarters and they're paying for custom molds. Mm-hmm. And then at the same time, mm-hmm. because so many people are making tiny little whatever plastic toys, the catalogs of, like, what's available is way bigger. And there's actually oh, people... Oh, I imagine, yeah. There's people you may you probably haven't actually seen these people, but if you're ever at a show, there are always, always representatives from manufacturing companies rolling around with a suitcase full of plastic bits to Uh talk to publishers. So they don't have their own booth. Usually they're just visiting and they'll roll up to your booth and they'll schedule an appointment and then they'll pull out the suitcase and put it on the table. And it's like a drug deal. Like they'll open the suitcase and be like. what do you want we have airplanes we have uh, people we have you know and it's just like and it's just so, a suitcase it's like a carry-on size suitcase just yeah. full of bits and you can just well, kind of pick gonna, this is gonna be my plan at the next convention i go to next year i'm gonna follow one of them until they stop to talk to someone i'm just gonna grab the suitcase and run i'll be set with bits for life for life forever um, yeah, yeah you'll have yeah. it 
Um, so yeah, so that's it's one of those things with like when it comes to sourcing plastic bits, one, you can source the type of plastic and it can come from uh-huh. a variety of different things. There's actually way more plastics than people realize. And then two, the right, shapes. Right. There's like whole catalogs and different manufacturers in China own the rights for certain shapes of plastic. So interesting. If you want a specific type of plastic, um, a lot of board game manufacturers specifically actually don't make that plastic in-house. They're usually buying it from another company that is like the plastic people. So um, Haba, we don't make our own plastic. We just buy direct from the plastic people um, Mm -hmm. because it's very different machinery. It's a very indifferent um, uh, factory requirements for like. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm hmm. So a lot of companies will just purchase um, the plastic from a third party uh, in the shape right, and however right. many units, and then they'll do assembly stuff. So that's another reason why when you buy a board game, the um, plastic bits come in like a different bag. And oftentimes that bag has a part number on it. I've seen that before. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And it's also it's... why the Terraforming Mars uh, cubes were in individual bags. Oh, that's funny. Well, it, you figured too, like, when it comes to quality of plastic, it's pretty easy to represent like, oh, this is the quality of plastic. It's uniform. This is how it's made, right? When you're talking about the wood bits, like you said, I mean, even the pros can make a double-headed unicorn when they're not paying attention and they've done something wrong, right? Whereas if you're making these aquarium gems that you make a million of a day, um, you can get samples, you can know the quality and know that quality is going to be consistent across mm-hmm. the board. Um, so that that makes total sense. Yeah, I mean, you know, you're putting your extra money where you need the specific quality that you want the trained people who are doing that specific thing to be good at. Um, whereas the other stuff, you've got other trained people who are good at making these different plastic bits or using machines to do it or whatever, you know? So. Yeah. And that's how paper is done too. So paper and boards are made by third-party companies. So there's a company that makes mm-hmm. the the card sheets, right? That get printed on by the board game manufacturer and the board game manufacturer cuts them. So right. when you order a card stock type and you say, oh, I want, I don't know, 550 Ivy Core or whatever. Right, right. Um, <clears throat> they order that paper from a paper manufacturer and it comes on a pallet and then they load it into the printer and then and then they print the cards it on it. Slices and then they it as them. they go. Yeah. yeah. So so that's one of the reasons why when you say like, oh, I want cards the manufacturer the board game manufacturer will be like what kind of cards what right. kind of finish um, yeah i've i've yeah. had people give me samples before and they're like here's a box of 40 different cards and as a game designer it's like this is entirely unhelpful like i need a deck <laughs> of cards that i like give me a sample of a box like me having one of 20 different cards is completely not useful to me as somebody making a game yeah even my oh, yeah. kids are like dad these cards aren't the same i can't make a game out of this <laughs> Yeah. So, it, but that's the, yeah, there's a booth and a panda used to give out sample packs like that. And yes, then they learned, yes. they learned, and yeah. now you get like 10 of each type of card. Um, right. Well, but, panda's um, also notorious for giving out those really sweet designer kits mm-hmm. that I have so many of over the years because, because I know people that work at panda and they have booths and I'm like, my kids love these and like, take some more. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. Yeah. I get them for, I get them for yeah. my partner, but, um, yeah, so cards, awesome. that's another, like, random. And then boards. Boards are the same. Like, do you want a split board? Do you want a glue board? How do you want it? Right. Because the boards, you're just putting, the manufacturer is often just putting a, um, uh overlay and then cutting yeah, it yep. for the folds. So, yep. like, the cardboard itself is coming from a paper factory. So, when you have that conversation right. with your manufacturer, 
if you're willing to have the conversation with the paper factory yourself, that paper factory, you know, can get you whatever you want. And if they mm-hmm. can't get you what you want, you can find a paper factory that will get you what you want. And then you tell that paper factory to work with this manufacturer. Right, so it's right. like, if you have the time to sit there and do that, you can do that. Um, right, right. You can do it all yourself. It's just going to take a lot longer. Yeah. And, that's, and you may not necessarily speak whatever language or whatever country you're dealing with, depending on where it is. So, yeah. So, and it's a scale thing. They're a lot more willing to conversate, to, to talk with you if you're like, yeah, yeah we're going to print yeah. 10,000 games worth of things. So we need 10,000 yeah. sheets. Like, then they're willing to. But yeah, if you're let's like, have a conversation about thousand, that. They're like, mm. right. We're talking to the 10,000 people. Thank you. Yeah, exactly. Well, and that's, hey, this. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> Sorry, I was going to say that's what like Panda and stuff does is like the papers that they use frequently, they just buy. Like if you're like, right. oh, yeah, I need to print 2000 units. They're like, cool. We got 20,000 of those papers sitting in the back. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because yep. they can kind of yep. consolidate um, on that sort of product. And so they're not one of the reasons they can keep their costs lower is they can they can buy in those products. And that's one of the reasons why they only have so many paper choices out of the box. And if you want anything else, they're going to charge you more because they're buying it for more because that whole um, because they're not buying you know ten thousand of it they're buying enough to print your copies yep no that totally makes sense i was gonna say so this has been a really interesting conversation uh and i've learned a ton it was really fun um i uh i appreciate you talking about all of the different manufacturing things and it's just so interesting to me like as somebody who's seen games go through the process but didn't really understand the full process and, and the ramifications of all of that um, um hopefully i helped i feel like i just rambled a bunch which you know it was i was <laughs> i was really interested and entertained the entire time so <laughs> i have a feeling our listeners are gonna love it as well um i would love to hear um you had mentioned there's a there's a hobby game coming out that you're particularly excited about and i so i would love to hear about that game yeah well and i was gonna say and before we started recording i was like well I don't necessarily want to make everything a Haba ad, but I actually would buy this game if I wasn't working for Haba. So I'm going to make it a Haba ad. Um, <laughs> Fair enough. So our Gen Con release this year, one of our Gen Con releases, um, is a game called Hammer Time. Uh, I'm sold. I yeah, would buy that game. I I got to name the game. So I will say there's a little bit of bias because I pick all the oh. English names. But I... I got a prototype of the game as a sample and like um, to play. And the name at the time was um, Smash It, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, which which I was like, that doesn't work for various reasons, the biggest of which is Smash Up. Um, yeah, yeah. But the game is you, you take the game box and you put it um, on the table so that the back of the box is like upright. And then you put like a special neoprene mat on to reduce friction. And then you put the big plastic gemstones on the back of the box and you have a hammer and each player has four like wagon contracts that want you to get specific gemstones to fill your wagon. And the first person to complete all four of their wagons uh, wins. So on your turn, you take a hammer and you hit the box ah! to knock gemstones off. But if you hit too hard, you wake up the dragon that's in the mine. Uh, mm-hmm. And so you lose all the gems because you run away. So you have right. to tap it lightly. But as soon as any gemstones fall, your turn is over. So you're trying to get specific colored gemstones in specific quantities. And you're hitting the box to do it. And so there's an element of physics involved. Um, and if you're me, a good deal of cussing. 
Um, <laughs> so <laughs> it like it reminds me of um, Click Clack Lumberjack, which is a game I yeah. absolutely love. I still play Click Clack yeah. Lumberjack. Yep. Um, I played it not too long ago with my kids. Yes. Yeah. So it, it reminds me of Click Clack Lumberjack, but with like more finesse and like a little bit more strategy in like mm-hmm. what you pick mm-hmm. and what colors are available. And then there's like a variant where you roll a die and the die tells you what silly thing you have to do. So like you can only use your offhand to to hit the box or <laughs> um, you have to put your head on the table and hit the box or <laughs> you have to you can't you have to punch the box. You can't actually use the hammer like oh just silly things like that. Yeah. So it's a fun game. It's pretty quick. I'm really excited about it. Um, it'll be out at it'll be available online uh, It actually before Gen Con. So like mid August is when we're going to okay. put it up. But I'm going to um, check it out. That sounds fantastic. But Hammer Time, um, which it's a good name. A I good was name. like playing it, and I was like, I just want to call it Hammer Time. Can I? Can I call it Hammer Time? And then I did a lot of googling because when you name a game, definitely look up. Um, there is a bunch of free websites maintained by the U.S. government called. Um, uh, I always just Google it, but there's like trademarks, and then there's copyrights, mm. and and yep. BGG obviously. But if you're just looking on BGG for the name of your game, you're you might get sued. So don't do that. Um, right. Yeah. Cause something else outside of a board game could be called that. Yes. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. So There's no Coca-Cola game. That's what I named my, uh, that's what I named my game. Is that a problem? Yeah. Yes, exactly. So yes. um, if you're ever looking for a game name, cause you're going to self publish or whatever, just look, it's like the U S copyright uh, thing. That's and really then there's cool. yeah. fair use trademarks. Um, and I looked it up and there was no, nothing, nothing anywhere near that's the space called hammer time. That is shocking to me. Yeah. There was something that somebody called Hammer Time, but it expired because they tell you on the database when it was last used and if it, it was if it's like legally available or expired yet. Mm, so mm-hmm. you can cover if you have that and you you have that information, you can cover your behind. But um nice. yeah, nice. nobody was using Hammer Time, so I took it. Love it. Yep. Love it. That's fantastic. Awesome. Well, I will. I will definitely be checking that out. That sounds like something that my kids and I would have a riot with, and that my wife and I would play when we wanted to actually play it with finesse and not just smash the box around. Yeah. So, yeah. and and that's the funny thing is like I still do this. Where the first day they sat me down and they were like, "Okay, so this game is called Smash It," or they were like, "So they didn't know what to call it because they were like, what do you what do you say when you when you take a drink?'" And I was like, like when you when you sip, and they were like, no, when like you have to like drink all of the drink in one drink, and I was like, slamming it, like you have to like 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 alcohol, and they were like, yes, that is the name of the game, and I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so the German name is the German phrase that apparently people say when they're about to like slam like a shot or something. <laughs> so when oh I played, when they were like, okay, words. here's the game, here's the hammer. I hit it and I hit it like I was slamming a shot and the gemstones went everywhere. <laughs> I bet they did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So don't do that, kids. But um, otherwise, try it hammer time. <laughs> Coming out in nice. August. Nice. Very cool. Well, hey, thanks again for, for being here and chatting. Um, this is this has been a riot. I, I'm super glad that we were able to, to have you on the show. 
Um, listeners, if you want to get in touch with us, you can, of course, go to buildingthegamepodcast.com. You can look up our Discord channel there. We have lots of fun there. You can also go to uh, email us at buildingthegamepodcast at gmail.com. You can call us at 770-TELL-BTG. You can find us the best place, of course, is on the Twitter at PodcastBTG. I am at J.E. Slingerland. T is at the one tar. Uh, you can find them there uh, as well. Ask them all your HABA-related and board game manufacturing questions. And uh, thank you again for listening. And until next time, good night. Good night. Building the game with Jason and friends. With Jason and friends. Building the game. Building the game with Jason and friends. With Jason and friends. Dial 770-TELL-BTG. Please don't use the email.